0: the unbelievable podcast. I am BJ Rydell back here with my guy, Drew Mahold. And today we are continuing on with what we started last week, just taking a long, hard look at your Minnesota Vikings roster heading into 2021, uh, free agency and the NFL draft. Uh, last week, If you missed us, uh, we covered the offensive side of the football, uh, focusing on kind of some of those ridiculous questions around Kirk Cousins and um, also how what are you going to do with the offensive line and some other positions, specifically wide receiver. Um, This week we're going to focus on the defense and uh, we'll do some time on special teams as well since I think a lot of us, uh, not just on this show, but I probably imagine that uh, people listening to us as well are probably sick of some of the special teams issues that the Vikings have been having over the last, well, 40 years, really, but um, in specifically the last season. So we'll, we'll spend some time on that as well. Um, but really, this is going to be me talking about the defense. Where does the Vikings defense stand coming out of last season? Um, obviously, you know, you get some players back from injury. Um, you'll be getting, you know, a guy back from COVID. Uh, the COVID list, I, I, I mean – uh, and there'll be some significant changes that the Vikings really had no control over last year uh, that they will, in fact, have control over this year. But there are also some changes that uh, they or maybe not changes necessarily, but decisions that they will have to make uh, in order to kind of keep this uh, defense status quo, um, which begs the question, do you want to be status quo after last season? So uh, we'll focus on all those questions and more over the next 30 minutes or so. Uh, but, yeah, that's all I got for an intro. La- why don't we uh, go ahead and uh, get started here? Right. Uh, so the first things first, let's go over the guys that are definitely, um, already free agents, right? Uh, looking at this, looking at the team here, if you, uh, you know, as far as starters go, Anthony Harris is really the only one that is going to have a significant impact, assuming that he does in fact, leave the Vikings organization, which I think a lot of us are kind of inclined to think might happen, uh, But other than him, Jaleel Johnson, technically a starter. I mean, I consider him to be a rotational player, but you call him what you want. Um, Eric Wilson, as well, filled in as a starter. I think that he has maintained that, you know, a average level of play that is good enough to start in the nfl but realistically probably not a starter uh he of course came in as a replacement last season when anthony barr was sent down for the season with an injury um other pieces of the puzzle that won't be back likely todd davis who filled in in my opinion admirably um again not a starter by any means but probably a good spot starter replacement level player and then finally george iloka who i think a lot of us didn't even know he was on the team anymore so he uh, will also be gone from the vikings defense so that is those are the obvious holes right uh, the potential holes now are probably what's a little bit more interesting here uh, and what creates a little bit more room for discussion and I think that starts with Anthony Barr
1: right I think the the big discussion that you, you see maybe if you're on Twitter or if you're on the social media and in the comment sections things like that Anthony Barr sort of versus Eric Wilson right like are you going to pay Anthony Barr was it 15 million or, or whatever or are you going to pay Eric Wilson what seems to be his asking price is like eight to 10 million or something like that now. Um, and it's kind of that give or take, which one did you prefer to do? Um, and look, Anthony, Anthony Barr, the, the thing about his play is that it's perceived so wildly different throughout, you know, the, you know, whether it's fans, whether it's the media, it's perceived extremely differently. Cause the guy has a bunch of pro bowls, right? Um, he's a athletic freak, you know, six, five can, very rangy across the entire field. Um, and he's a pretty sure tackler, all things considered much more sure. I would say than Eric Wilson, but so it's definitive. Yeah. (laughs) So it's one of those things that like, you know, he's, he got the contract for a reason. Um, and so, you know, he's, he said, he's not restructuring. And now there's people talking about, well, the Vikings should restructure him to to knock his pay down. And he said, he's not going to. So, um, that's the big one is Anthony Barr and pairing him with Eric Kendricks. And we can't really, put a, you know, value or a dollar amount on that chemistry that those guys have as well, being UCLA teammates and going way back and playing for on the same team for what, six seasons now. So there's things like that that need to be considered here. And, you know, Eric, for his, for Eric Wilson, you know, he had a nose for the ball for sure all season, right? I mean, he seemed like every turnover, the Vikings were able to create, which wasn't that many, by the way, but when they did, uh, it seemed like he was in there for some sort, whether it's some recovery, fumble force, interception, he was around the football, but um, you know, overall bars, the superior player, clearly that's why he's up there on the depth chart <laughs> and why he's the the guy next to Kendricks in the nickel and always has been. And so uh, I, I, in my opinion, you keep bar there and you kind of, um, you know, uh, you kind of make do with uh, the other linebacker spot that really doesn't see a whole lot of time anyway.
0: Right. Right. So, There's a lot of, and I'm glad you brought that up right away. There's a lot of false narratives with Anthony Barr. A couple of those things are fan made, meaning that you look at pro football reference and you don't see enough volume stats and you just don't think he's a good player. On the other side, that also works for positive, positively speaking for Anthony Barr. He's got a bunch of Pro Bowls. Um, I think that we could argue that at least two of those probably are not earned or there was a guy that probably deserved that spot a little bit more than him. Uh, but the main thing with Anthony barn, I think this is really important to consider. You brought up the chemistry with Eric Kendricks. That's super important for sure. But the number one piece is that he is a movable piece of this puzzle that Mike Zimmer can employ in a number of different ways. Let's keep in mind here. This is the first player that Mike Zimmer drafted. He drafted him for a couple of reasons. Number one, athletic specimen, one of the craziest athletes that you will, you know, that you'll see, basically, um, in terms of length, in terms of raw athleticism, in terms of just size and speed. He's a crazy athletic freak that can do a lot of things for your defense. The fact of the matter is, is that he's also an intelligent player, a player that you can line up all around. He's memorized multiple positions within the Vikings defense, and he's important for the blitz packages in a number of different ways, whether that's dropping back into coverage, which he's an average coverage player. Let's be real here. But the ability to drop out of a blitz package into coverage and find his man is something that Anthony Barb does better than anyone not named Eric Kendricks on this roster and pretty well across the league in terms of, you know, the type of players that are even asked To do that level of play, Um, it's not easy. It's he's not he's not a replacement. He's not a replaceable player. You change the playbook when Anthony Parr goes down, literally. And we we saw that last year with the way that Eric Wilson was used. Eric Kendricks ended up moving into Anthony Barr's role in a lot of different ways in terms of dropping into coverage. That was exclusively Eric Kendricks. His coverage focus became that much more important with Anthony Barr not being there. Now, Eric Wilson is a perfectly solid player in coverage. There are a lot of linebackers who are considerably worse than him at following tight ends or small receivers or what have you. Uh, But he's definitely not on Anthony Barr's level able in, in terms of being able to cover tight ends. Think about Eric Wilson in size. The dude's like barely six feet. I think he's six feet and cleats and he's undersized in terms of pounds. Does he make up for that in terms of intelligence, general spirit, um, things of that nature, I would say so. Yeah, I think Eric Wilson does a, does very well for himself. You know, we looked at him coming as out as an undrafted free agent out of Cincinnati and thinking this guy's going to be, you know, someone that's going to last the league for a long time. And I think that he's already kind of, you know, reinforced that thought process that a lot of us had when he came out of college. That being said, is he a starter or is he a spot starter? I am inclined to think he's more of a spot starter on a good football team. On a bad team, he's probably a starter. The Vikings were a bad football team last year in terms of defense, especially. I don't mm-hmm. think this guy's worth paying $8 million a year. I don't think Anthony Barr worth $15 million a year. Now, the question that you raise then is well, you have to pay one of them. Someone's going to get paid there, or you're going to have to draft someone. Are there options in the draft? Yeah. I've seen you guys throw some out on Twitter. I don't, to be honest with you, I don't know which guy makes the most sense to replace Anthony Barr. I I don't, I don't, I haven't done enough draft, draft research to, you know, pick a guy and be like, this is the only guy, or this is one of a few guys that could truly replace Anthony Barr. I don't know the answer to that question right now. What I do know is that Anthony Barr is extremely difficult to replace because we saw last year when he went down with injury. The other question is the medical question with Anthony Barr. He's off the field a lot, period. It's not just last year. He misses games all the time. That sucks when you're paying a guy, you know, what close to 5% of your cap some years, it's, it, it's too much money to pay a guy to sit in the tub. And especially mm-hmm. with Mike Zimmer being a guy that hates the tub guys, um, he has to be very frustrated with Anthony Barr. And, he, and let's be real here. He is a great restructure candidate. You convert his salary to guarantee, all of a sudden your cap goes down. He makes more money this year. It, he makes a lot of sense. And the biggest thing with him is that you might – like some, some of you were arguing the wrong point. Realistically, he's not a cut candidate, okay? He's just not. He, he has a dead cap hit of seven point eight million dollars this coming year, five point two million dollars next year, and two point sixty million dollars the following year. So we're so that's looking what, at $15 like that's, fifteen million dollars yeah. in, in dead cap if the Vikings add yeah, that up.
1: Him. It gets pretty expensive. So and I, and I, I mean maybe you trade him. Uh, that could be an argument you could make. But uh, there's if you're gonna if it's if it's the choice between Eric Wilson and Anthony Barr at, at Wilson's new price, uh, give me Anthony Barr. Uh, for sure there and then I think you can you know there are other ways to create the cap space needed um, or as so many of you like to point out as well maybe you rely on Barr being healthy Hunter staying healthy uh, Michael Pierce coming back right and you think that's enough and it might be I I don't personally think it's enough but that might be the 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 dice that the Vikings have to roll here um, in 2021 and so uh, but I mean whether we talk about Barr whether he's back you know that's linebacker position. And there's a bunch of other spots to discuss here. You know, we talk about pass rushers, right? Like, I know that's one I want to get into just because, you know, we can – Everson Griffin wasn't a massive factor for either Dallas or Detroit in 2020. Yeah, in 2020. But losing him and then also losing Hunter for that whole season, clearly the pass rush matters, right? Uh, getting pass rushers is important. Vikings have to do that. And of course, Hunter coming back, hopefully, which, by the way, more of a long term discussion is get this guy a contract where he won't be inclined to leave or hold out or anything like that because uh, he, he deserves something a little bit more than what he's getting. But getting Hunter back um, and then adding a pass rusher or two that can be serviceable and get more sacks than, you know, when Yunikangakwe had in four games as your team's leader for the season. Uh, that would be, you know, another big step for the Vikings. I would say that's more important than deciding who the uh, linebacker is there next to Eric Hendricks.
0: Okay. So we can move on from Anthony Barr then just let it be known that this guy's a lot more important than people are giving him credit for. Um, I don't care he if he has two sacks. Um, the sack numbers don't define the player for Anthony Barr.
1: Um, and there's no real way to quantify linebacker playing. There's really not. I mean,
0: it's difficult for sure. Know,
1: Cause total tackles doesn't do it either. Cause that just means you're on the field a lot. Right. And you're, right your offense can't stay on the field and you're just racking up garbage time to attack. Like there's no real way to quantify linebacker play. So it's impossible to really, you know, put into words or explain how good Anthony Barr is. You kind of get a feel for it when he's in the wrong spot and it certainly happens, but uh, there's Anthony Barr is a good player. Uh You don't get into the pro bowl like that. You don't look at him at a six, five athletic freak and turn him away for, someone much smaller uh, and not as athletic as in someone like Eric Wilson.
0: Yeah, I think we can settle that debate. Um, I want to finish with pass rushers because I'm with you. I think that that's probably the most important piece here, even though the Vikings don't technically have anyone leaving at that position this year. Um, so let's move into the, def- let's go move to defensive backs here from from linebackers. Um, it, like I said before, Anthony Harris is really your, your one red mark that's, you know, not, under contract with the Vikings right now. He's effectively a free agent as we speak right now and can begin negotiating whenever he wants. Uh, The Vikings have the opportunity to do a second franchise tag. Of course, that number goes up. I'm giving you options right now. I'm not giving you the solution, by the way. Uh, That's something that you can do with Anthony Harris. You can also try to sign him for it to a longer term deal. That could be four years. I think four years probably made a little bit more sense last year in terms of, you know, when you're going to pay the guy, uh, I think now, especially after last year, the best you really can do with this guy is two or three years. I don't think Anthony Harris wants that. Uh, I think he wants to cash in. Well, I think in. he's
1: probably a little frustrated with how it played out last off season.
0: Um, I don't. And I don't know, blame. And I, and him. I
1: don't blame him. I don't blame him because that was sort of you know the Vikings were kind of the, it seemed like the whole plan was to give him this deal, and he had an awesome twenty nineteen season. And um, you know the franchise tag kind of gives sort of gives way to that possibility of playing himself out of a lot of money, and that's exactly what happened.
0: That is what happens. Like, ultimately, did the Vikings make a move that probably created a disgruntled football player? I I would say yes. Uh, Did the Vikings make the right move? I would also say yes. Uh, Anthony Harris did not repeat anything close to what he had in 2019 and 2020. He's also entering, you know, he's going to be entering his year 30 season. Yeah, he's 29 right now. So it's just technically his year 29, year 30 season. Uh, He's not going to get better than he was last year so why, why would you pay for him for the production in 2019 anymore especially after seeing what you got last year right uh, so Anthony Harris may or may not be back with the Vikings next year I'm guessing no uh, makes it that much more frustrating that the Vikings didn't draft Antoine Winfield Jr. last year that's neither here nor there but just saying uh, in terms of what you do to fix that position um you have Harrison Smith still. He's not getting any younger. I'm sure everyone loves to remind you that as it is. Harrison uh, Smith's also a restructure candidate. Uh, a good one, a very good restructure candidate, a guy that you can feel very comfortable guaranteeing money to because he's going to be on the roster next season. Uh, but at the same time, does this guy want to restructure? I mean two Vikings now, Kyle Rudolph and Anthony Barr have came out and been like, we're done with this like where we we see you guys restructuring every season. Uh, we're tired of it I mean like, yeah we're not gonna do
1: it th- th- this is that this is finally sort of the, the cap is a myth deal like it's finally it's catching up to the Vikings. I mean if, for one, you saw what happened in 2020 with the roster things quickly, Melted away with Griffin leaving. You had all those quarterbacks leaving. You had Stefan Diggs getting traded, with may or may not been a salary thing. But uh, and now you have guys finally like, all right, I'm done restructuring. Like you know, you can't just keep kicking this can down the road. We you gave us you offered us contracts. Now pay up your side of the bargain here, and um, you know we want to play out our contracts as they are. So that's the sort of when people say the cap is a myth, you can make it a myth temporarily. Uh, and then it will catch up to you and this is that instance where they're kind of realizing that you know the vikings probably aren't in a spot to contend or at least it's not likely and so what's the point i guess of restructuring for better uh you know use of money elsewhere when they just can get their money finish out their contracts and maybe go ring chasing after these ones expire
0: and that's an interesting question here like the we kind of debated this last year. Like, do you, you know, do you rebuild or? Do
1: well, you I don't think the Vikings know what they're doing in terms of that either. Right.
0: They don't. <laughs> they, they don't. don't. Um, and I think we'll probably get. You know, I don't think we're ever going to get a definitive answer to that because every team likes to say that they reload as opposed to fully rebuild, with the exception of a couple teams that have like openly tanked and. Miami. For the most part, done. pretty And it well almost for works.
1: Themselves. I mean, yeah, it's it's working really well
0: for them. Yeah. Uh, so, what do you do here now? couple things to keep in mind in terms of if you're in the camp that wants to keep anthony harris whether it's you know just a you know fans love for a player or you think he's truly very good and is gonna have a rebound season once you get the pass rusher back you know a couple pass rushers back um the Vikings are up against the cap, like really hardcore. If you're not following Nick Olson, make sure you do because he's giving you a ton of information about the cap and how the Vikings are having some issues in detail. I mean, um, we all can do the generalities, you know. The, we know that the cap's can be somewhere between 180 and 185 million dollars, depending on you know a number of different circumstances. I think we're leaning 185 at this point. That seems to be what the direction that the Especially news is they heading.
1: add uh, another game, which seems right. to be possible.
0: Right. Uh, But the important thing here to remember is that the cap the cap the cap went down every single financial analyst period across the NFL expects the cap to go up every single year. Now, think back yourself, um, your sports fandom. When was the last time you remember the NFL salary cap go down? If your answer is I don't remember, you're in the camp with just about all of us because I don't remember since these, you know, basically the quote dawn of time when the two leagues merged that the cap actually went down. This is a huge, huge problem. Now I'm not a financial analyst. I'm not an expert with money allocation or anything of that nature, but I can tell you when you expect something to be high and it ends up being low, it's going to create problems. And that's where the Vikings stand right now. And it's directly impacts guys like Anthony Harris, who are a free agent at the wrong time. This is the Mm -hmm. worst time for a player. We've already seen agents come out. We've seen the NFL, um, you know, players association speak out saying collude with each other to make sure these guys get their money because there is a real issue right now in terms of the free agency class. Guys like J.J. Watt are going to be fine. They're going to get their 15 and a half million dollars and they're going to be cool. I'm not talking about the top five, top 10 guys at each position, depending on how deep that position group is. I'm talking about the guys in the middle, the guys that are coming off of a bad season that might be a, quote, like a good player previously, guys that you have question marks about. This is a real problem for that type of player. Anthony Harris is the literally the forefront at this, you know, at this issue right now, do the Vikings even have the money to pay him? Realistically, probably not. They got to sign their draft class. There's got to be some money that goes there. They got to, they got to pay to Hunter. There has been rumors and little snippets, which you kind of alluded to earlier, that if he doesn't get paid like the best player in the NFL, he's going to go somewhere or force his way somewhere that will pay him like the best defensive player in the NFL. Is he the best player in the defensive player in the NFL? No, probably not. He's probably not even top eight, realistically. He's a very great so – He's
1: certainly not like number 30 or whatever he's getting paid right now. Definitely.
0: Exactly. <laughs> exactly. That's the, and that's the point here. So the, you got to pay him. So some money's got to go there. I, the Vikings are also down about what was it? $12 million Uh, right now they're negative 12 mil. So they've got to do some restructuring as is or cuts as is regardless. It's going to happen. The matter is how much, you know, how much space can you create? And I think the answer to that is, is that you're drafting a safety because I don't think Anthony Harris is getting his, you know, even $8 million next season because the Vikings simply don't have the money to do it as a result of the COVID-19 pandemic and the ramifications on the salary cap.
1: Right. No, yeah, it's, yeah. There's, there's so many holes that can be fixed. I think, you know, you can, you can go back to, uh, you know, you have, you're probably gonna have to trade a guy that's valuable, um, at some point. And that's why we should also raise this up with Harrison Smith as we're talking about safeties and defense. Yeah. Harrison Smith is a trade candidate. And, um, you know, for as much as we both love Harrison Smith, um, and you know, he's been obviously perhaps the best safety in all of football over the last eight years now. Um, it's getting to that point where salary becomes an issue and he's past his prime. Vikings are, in my opinion, not retooling, but, or rather, well, they are retooling, but they should be rebuilding. And so you combine all those things. It seems like you send him off to a contender, or as I guess that'd be more of a gesture of goodwill to send him off to a contender, but send him off somewhere where uh, they're uh you know they can take on the salary the vikings can allocate that money elsewhere as part of their own rebuild that would be my own decision that's what i would do for the vikings if i was running things as and again that would it's it would suck to see Harrison smith play for another team but i i just don't realistically think the vikings are going to contend for anything meaningful this year which is why you start to rebuild and get ahead of it um which is i think what a lot of people have been saying even prior to this year um kind of seeing how they kind of, you know, it wasn't hard to see 2020 and see it unfolding the way it did. Uh, And now I think you have a chance to get out in front of things. And of course, you know, Kirk's salary in 2022 becomes guaranteed here shortly. So there are things that they can do, get ahead of it. It doesn't appear that they're going to go that route though, because they're just, they're trying to stay relevant, man. That's the Vikings. And so, that's where this the salary cap issue is kind of rooted is the Vikings trying to stay relevant for all this time by restructuring and trying to extend this window, falsely extend the Super Bowl window that they have when it's really non-existent and they're kind of just uh, you know seeing a mirage essentially.
0: Okay, so kind of this is going to start to bleed into our, our final section of the show, which will be on the defensive line and specifically pass rushers. But yeah. um, we, we've discussed this in the past at length. And you know it's it's a com- it's common ground. It's not like we're bringing any, you know, you know, great news that's blowing you know up the world or anything of that nature. But you, in order for a defensive back to play well, generally you need good pass rushing, right? Complementary football across the board. Now. There is, this is kind of how you differentiate between what's a really good safety, like Harrison Smith, and probably like an average safety that can be turned into a really good player with guys around him. And what I, my Anderson opinion, Andrew Sandejo, Anthony Harris, I think kind of falls into that category now. Um, the difference is the pass rush. If you've got guys, if you've got two guys yeah. on the ends that are getting 10 double digit sacks, you know, 30, 40 pressures a year, uh, you're probably going to be more likely to get. You know, turnovers, interceptions, ball like plays on the football in general. Uh, and Anthony Harris's numbers are – I mean,
1: the same thing can be said for cornerbacks too, by the way. Like I, I it, agree. It works the same way.
0: But safeties are asked to roam a little bit more. This is why I'm focusing here. Whereas, as a, like, whereas a cornerback is, you know, you're either playing a zone, like a specific area of the field, or you're playing up against a man and following him everywhere. Uh, you don't have as much ability to freelance unless you're Marcus Peters and you just do whatever you want safeties generally cover a wider zone or they're covering kind of multiple players and following to see, you know, where is this route, route going to drop off? Where do I pick up from a linebacker, et cetera, et cetera. What makes a great safety is a guy, first of all, who makes those reads really well. I think Anthony Harris does that. Harris Smith obviously does that. The difference then becomes, are you getting to the quarterback in three seconds or eight seconds? Because that decision that you make as a safety is going to be a direct influence of how quickly that pass Mm -hmm. rush is getting there. Like, does the quarterback need to get rid of the ball? Okay. I can jump. I can get in front of this wide receiver. Now Anthony Harris had six interceptions two years ago because he was able to do that at will. And he played it phenomenally. He was in the right spot at the right time all the time. It wasn't just interceptions. It was fumble recoveries, forced fumbles, et cetera, et cetera. Last year, zero pass rush, zero interceptions, different player entirely. So this is why the pass rush is that much imp- is, is so important, but it also has kind of a meaningful impact on how you determine what you're going to do at the safety position. Harrison Smith proved last season, once again, we already knew this, but he reinforced it that he could do it at 30 at a very high level without, without a pass rush. Without anything around him, right? Like, yes, he, was he caught on an island a couple times? Yeah, we saw it too. Okay, but in general, Harrison Smith was still very, very good, despite nothing working around him. Two young corners playing to his sides that can't really, you know, developed well. Yes, but especially early on, did not look good. And Anthony Harris proved that in my eyes, you know, yeah, it's a one it's a one year sample size, whatever. Uh, But in my eyes, he proved that he is a solid player that can be lifted by guys around him. I don't think the Vikings have enough around him right now. To lift him well, anymore, so why pay him? Is is basically my right, question that yeah. I'm ramping up to here.
1: I I agree with that. Um, and I think you can look at like Tampa Bay for example. Um, look at that defense. Look at how great that front four is. Right. The the pressure right. they're able to get all season long. Um, and then I so I this stat might not be 100 percent accurate. So um, I apologize if it's not. But I saw this on Twitter. You know, PFF's kind of war, right? Sort of their wins above replacement level. Um, stat the chiefs and the bucks were the top two teams in the NFL in terms of war for defensive backs paid per dollar or per dollar paid. So essentially they're getting their, the most money's worth out of the defensive backfield. And if you also look at those two defenses, they have some pass rushers uh, specifically Tampa Bay too. I mean, my goodness. So that it's, it's a, it, it works both ways. You know, like if you can get talented corners, that's, I think, you know, one of your top priorities. Vikings have tried to do that, right. The invested draft picks, uh, they're working on it. They're they're working on that part. Right. But you have to coincide that with pass rushers. And, uh, you know, obviously Daniel Hunter going down hurts that tremendously. But you have to go out there and get somebody that's effective that can be a threat opposite Hunter. Um, you, you had Unique for a brief moment in time there. And he, yeah, I remind you again, he led the Vikings in sacks last year in like five games. Uh, right. So y- y- it has to be better than that. Uh, you got to get someone more effective over there. And then from there, you'll see, you know, Cameron Dantzler and Jeff Gladney and whoever that safety is. Maybe it's Harris, Anthony Harris. You'll see that performance uptick very quickly.
0: Absolutely. And, you know, for what it's worth, you don't really know what you're going to get out of Mike Hughes either. We've kind of forgotten about him with, you know, yeah. the improved play of Cameron Dantzler, uh You know, Jeff Gladney making significant strides towards the end of the season, specifically at that slot role. I, for one, am ready to go into 2021 with both those guys being starters. I don't know who's going to play opposite Dantzler next year. Uh, I think it's, I think Mike Hughes is going to get that shot, but I'm not opposed to taking another cornerback in the first round. I know four or five years ago, everyone was pissed every time Mike Zimmer was doing this, whether it was, you know, drafting Trey Wayne's at 11 or drafting Mackenzie Alexander early in the second round. I think a lot of us were like, why do we need more corners? Well, now you got the answer, and I think that you can, you know, dig in even deeper if you want to, but. I think that the in terms of how to allocate the resources that you have currently with a, you know kind of the the negative things that you have your salary cap specifically you don't want to pay Anthony Harris because not because he doesn't make sense on this defense but because if you you could potentially get a player of his caliber with a draft pick that you can pay significantly less for a shorter duration and make a bigger decision down the line you can kick that can as we were talking earlier. Uh, you can create that quote myth about with the salary cap by drafting a replacement at safety. Uh, does that need to be in the first round? Probably not. I wouldn't recommend it. I think that you've got bigger problems as we talked about last week. Um, and also we'll continue to talk about this week, you know, specifically at that defensive end spot, Michael Pierce is coming back. That's great news. Cause he's going to fill that clogger role super effectively. He's one of the biggest men I've ever seen in my entire life. Uh, He takes on two blockers and still gets a bit of a push. These are all great things that you can kind of expect to improve within that defensive line. Um, Shamar Stefan, probably not going to be a starter anymore. Thank the Lord. That's going to be, he's going to go back to his true role of being a guy that can give you a breather for 12 snaps every week. And that's where he's effective. So you're going to get that back. That's a help. That's helpful in itself as well. Next to Jaleel Johnson, excuse me, next to Michael Pierce, you've got basically nothing because, as we were saying before, Jaleel Johnson is likely going to walk. I wouldn't pay him either. So you're going to need to draft someone there as well. So whether that's a three technique or you just want to create, you know, a, just a fat sandwich in, in between, um, I don't know. Uh, but you can, you have to do something there. Um, then you've got the Daniel Hunter returning. You can kind of expect that production will not decline too much. I think he's going to be better. Uh, I think he's had enough time to recover. I think that medical science has advanced far enough along where players are coming back healthier. Like they come back more like a cyborg as opposed to a, you know, a withered human being nowadays when they come back from a significant injury. Now is Daniel Hunter going to give you that production for sure? We don't know. I'm going to assume it. Okay. The The question then becomes is, are you happy with a Fadio Denigbo on the opposite side? The answer should probably be no. And then if you are going to get to know with that question, how many resources do you need to invest to get someone that you're comfortable with? Is this a first round pick that we're talking about a second round pick, or do you continue with the kind of the Vikings play of drafting defensive ends in the third round?
1: Right. Yeah. It's well, the, the thing about a that you mentioned is, you know, he was, it, he looked pretty darn good in 2019. Right. I mean, when he had the benefit of playing with Griffin and, and Daniel Hunter and things, and you know, those guys, um, so you almost like, I, I almost want to see another shot or uh, get it, see him get another chance with Hunter in the game, Uh, you know, playing alongside him for a season or as, as a starter, maybe give him that chance. But yeah, I mean, you, you, you got to take your chances somewhere in the draft. I don't care where they do it. I don't care if it's maybe a third and a fourth round pick or something like that, but pass rusher clearly is important for the Vikings. Um And they, they didn't have any of that in 2020. They have to address that. And, you know, again, Hunter, Coming back is going to be a huge help. Uh you know, provided that he does and he's not that fed up with his contract. But um the Another point too. There's it, that's the this is the whole thing I've been saying this whole time. Like the Vikings are not ready to contend because we we could spend so much more time talking about all these holes on this defense. There's no pass rush. Um their interior on the defensive line isn't good at all either. Besides, I mean, maybe getting Michael Michael Pierce back, he's still gonna be a year without football. Uh, at linebacker, you have K- Kendricks and Barr, really solid duo, 100%, right? Uh, but you saw how things maybe went downhill without one of them in the game. Uh, oh, cool. And then the secondary, of course, you know, there's no cornerbacks with reliable. Uh, you, you, I guess that you can rely on against a number one receiver in in the NFL. Um, at safety, Harrison Smith, phenomenal player, getting older though, clearly. So there's holes everywhere on this defense, and that this is the issue with me and and how they're trying to retool instead of kind of blow it up and rebuild and trade all your expensive assets and kind of start over. But I think it's almost to the point where we're past that argument now.
0: Cause it, it, it's funny because we're talking about holes in the sense that of starters, right? Like you're yeah. losing a starter. You've got a hole to fill. Well, if you have a hole to fill at a starter position, you probably have holes at your depth as well.
1: Well, the depth is the biggest concern. And we saw that in 2020, like my goodness right. sakes, <laughs> That's, that, that was Across the big the board, piece. Like, too. Like, it's great. Like, you get Hunter back. You get Pierce back. You get Anthony Barr back. Like, that's great. Those are all key starters. Going to play a lot of snaps. But in in most circumstances, like the 2017 Vikings got extremely lucky about this, where their starting players on defense barely missed any games. That's just not normal. And I know 2020 was kind of the opposite effect, where all these guys missed a bunch of time. But chances are you're going to have injuries to, you know, one of those three players and they're going to miss some games. How do you survive without them? you have to, you, you have to put some sort of pass rush together. If your star player's out and if you can't, you're going to lose that game. <laughs> I mean, you're going to get marched on all over the place. Jared Goss going to throw for 400 yards against you uh, as a member of the Detroit Lions, like things like that are going to happen. So um it's, there's so many holes on the defense. Um, And that's why I think you can't retool it with the way their salary cap is set up right now. They're in that hole. You got to start over. And I know it's, it's a moot point a lot a lot of people are going to agree with me on it but that's what i would be doing if i was running things for the vikings i would trade these expensive contracts kind of start over and maybe not hunter necessarily because of how much of a stud he is but these other ones that are expensive you can trade that kind of start over uh build up your draft pick uh base to work with and move forward that way
0: okay so We've established now that there are definitely some holes on defense, uh, like definitively some holes on defense. We forced a couple of holes on offense, like we were talking about wide receiver three. Uh, we were talking about tight end two. You know, we were kind of
1: tight end two is probably forced, for sure. I would argue wide receiver three is a major hole, and then I think offensive line is one where it's. I think we're so <laughs> we're so accustomed to it uh, <laughs> being Vikings fans and followers that it's just kind of it's always going to be there. But
0: right, right, okay, so then with that being said now, um, what you kind of have probably come up with some level of a list in your mind of what the greatest needs for Vikings, for the the Vikings are. Um, you may be in the camp that thinks it's guard for sure. Uh, you may be someone who needs a safety or you're someone that wants a pass rusher. Um, I guess my question to you before we go into special teams, which I'm going to separate because I don't believe in drafting special teamers or using free agency to draft to get special teamers either for what it's worth. Uh, So I'm just going to ignore that for the time being. How do you use your assets? Right. Uh, The Vikings have a lot more draft picks this year. Um, They always do. They'll probably get more. Right. They're probably going to end up with 10 to 12 of them. That's just what Rick Spielman likes to do. Um, I don't have a problem with that strategy. It's worked in the past. I hope he keeps doing it. Uh, the point is, is that you have probably two or three really good assets. Um, and then probably two or three more, which are competent assets, guys that could come in and be you know, replacement level players, potentially get a little bit more, but you'd be a little bit surprised like that type of draft pick. Right. Um, so how do you prioritize this? What do you do in round one? What do you do in round two? In your mind, we're not thinking player names. I'm not ready to get into draft prospects just yet, but like how do you like in a perfect world, if the board falls your way, what are the positions that you take? Like, do you go defensive end number one, uh, quarterback see, in round two, and wide receiver in round three, or how do you approach this situation?
1: See, I there's there's a couple ways to look at this because I think the Vikings have so many holes that they they can 100% go best player available at in the first round or with their first pick or however they go about this. If they end up trading down or whatever the case may be, um, they can go best player available. Uh, you know, take the best pass rusher, the best lineman, the best. Uh, quarterback the best cornerback the best and you know any of these positions and it'll be a good pick for them uh but moving down you have to to me you have to shove more of your draft capital to pass rusher you got to take more I guess, chances there right throw more darts at that position uh also i would argue the same thing for cornerback as well and then you know at at, at that, that point I think those are the most two important positions on defense. And then, you know, I, of course, I'm going to argue more for um, that third receiver spot and then quarterback as well, just taking a shot there. And so that Sean Mannion or someone akin to him is not uh, your backup quarterback. So that's, uh, that's kind of how I would, would process things is at first just go best player available, especially at the spots where you sort of need yep. it, um, which is almost the entire depth chart. And then from there, I think you just, it's almost put position of value game where, you know we're we, weak at pass rush as it is. Get me some defensive ends in this four-three defense at cornerback. We're young and inexperienced. Get me some more depth there. And then uh, if you haven't addressed receiver yet, go get a throw a dart or two there and find a, another competent guy. You know to uh, to make things competitive for BC Johnson uh, back there as well.
0: Okay, so I'm with you that best player available for the most part, it's always the right strategy, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, it's not just the Vikings, like it's pretty much across the board. Like you're more likely to be good down the line. If you're drafting the best guy on your board, period. Um, the, the unfortunate truth is that most teams, especially teams that are thinking that they can contend the following season um, aren't, you know, inclined to go best player available. They're, more inclined to take best player available relative their to, to their positional needs. So my follow-up question then becomes, cause I'm with you for the most part that you could take a D defensive end. If he falls, you could take a great wide receiver. If they falls, like if Devontae Smith, for example, he's undersized, right? If he falls to 14 snatch, him. I don't mm. care where you feel about wide receiver. That position can matter a lot more next year than it does right now. See Tampa Bay to Buccaneers. <laughs> exactly. Right. See okay. Buffalo Bills. So you can do some like you can do something that like you can do something like that where it's not necessarily a immediate like drastic need, where you would you know maybe consider guard to be a drastic need. I would consider it to be a drastic need, but it doesn't it doesn't work with positional value relative to the draft. Uh, my follow up question then becomes. What don't you draft? What can't – if you're drafting at number 14, let's pretend that it's a lock. The Vikings are going to be drafted at that spot. I could totally see them trading down or up. I, I don't know. It, I don't even want to try to get in Rick Spielman's mind. But let's say they draft at 14. Is there any positions that you – other outside of kicker and punter, which is why we're excluding including this, that you will – like it, you'd be pissed. Just outright, like, we can't do that and still win. What position groups does that include?
1: um interior offensive line and running back for sure uh potentially linebacker depending on the player um maybe safety there um again that depends on the player too if it's one of those blue chip guys that the vikings uh really love the falls uh but for sure interior offensive line and running back uh, are the two for me because there's so many examples of a team drafting one of those positions high and getting nothing out of it you know and so like even the Vikings two years ago, they took Bradbury um, and that hasn't panned out at all. That's a waste of a first round pick, essentially, when even if he's a even if he is a great center, how much is that helping your team? You know, right. so right. there's those are the two spots for me that I would be, you know, I get ha- it have to. It all depends a little bit on the player, but I can't imagine a scenario. Where I'd be happy about one of those two spots being picked.
0: So basically what it comes down to is what you do at 14 is you either grab a slider. So a wide receiver, a quarterback that slides, you know, you got five quarterbacks that are, their names are being tossed out there. Mm-hmm. You've got multiple wide receivers that are very good. Couple of them with question marks. I mean, I mentioned Devonte Smith because he's the obvious one being an undersized wide receiver. And we just historically have seen draft scouts, you know, essentially undermine <laughs> players based off of their size, just despite heavy production. It's happened
1: at quarterback too.
0: It does, right. So there's a real possibility that you get a slider there. Um, the other move being is you know, maybe three technique, maybe defensive end, mm-hmm. uh, maybe offensive tackle. Uh, but really what this comes down to is like you take the best position available relative to positional value. And that gets a little bit confusing. And ultimately, like you're basically talking about nothing because we're not giving you an answer. We're just well, I, kind
1: of – Well, I think it's – you know, you're, you should – teams should be putting together their big board. Based on positional value as it is. So like kind of knocking running backs, knocking guards, knocking centers, um, knocking maybe, you know, like your your uh your linebackers safeties a little bit, but inflating the ranking, so to speak, for corners, well, quarterbacks for one, but also corners, wide receivers, pass rushers, those guys, those prospects should be inflated a little bit, offensive tackle, just because of the position they play is more right, right. valuable. So like from there, then you kind of make your best player available pick and and in my opinion there shouldn't be a running back or a center or a guard in that top 14 or wherever the vikings will be picking
0: right right i'd agree so you're looking at you know these major positions corner quarter defensive end uh i'm cool with three technique as well those are probably your four spots that make the most sense at 14 after that uh everything just changes based off of what you do at 14 to me i don't think you can even try to like like you can do a mock draft, right. And, you know, do one of these simulations where like you actually see your options, but until you see your options again in the second round, like I don't know how you even try to project this thing. Like you can say, all right, I want quarterback, uh, cornerback and defensive end in the third round in some order. That sounds great. Right. You know, you maybe get Mac Jones in the second round um, pick your poison at corner, whichever guy makes the most sense with the scheme uh, in the first round. And then maybe you continue doing the same thing and, drafting defensive end in the third round but um, then you save you know three technique etc wide another wide receiver for the third yeah. and fourth round etc cetera, etc cetera, as you get later into the draft like yeah we could say that but like ultimately like that first pick what the Vikings do on day one um, I kind of tend to lean that they're going to trade down and get two first round picks that seems like the most logical strategy to fill a lot of holes at once
1: also Rick's history a little bit
0: Right. Right. Uh, So not only his history, but also like if you are a believer that you're reloading as opposed to rebuilding, the best way to, quote, reload quick is to bring in an infusion of talent that's going to contribute immediately. Uh, That's getting two first round picks a lot of the time, Um, which is what the Vikings did last year, seemed to work out pretty well. Obviously, very high with Jefferson, uh, kind of well like good with Jeff Gladney hope for more, uh, in the future. Uh, but that's, that's kind of like the immediate plan. Like maybe trade from 14 down to 22 and you also acquire the 26th pick or something like that. And all of a sudden you can start filling more holes or whatever. Um, the fact remains that ultimately what it comes down to is that you're going to have to do something there in the draft with those four, four or five spots. I don't think safety's in that group. I don't think linebackers in that group. So all of a sudden you need to probably keep Anthony Barr. Uh, you need to go out into free agency, get a couple of guys that are going to be at the very least some level of a replacement, right? Like sign another type of George, I player, you know, just the guy that you can get on the field is going to give you quality snaps. Um, just because you're probably not getting Anthony Harris back. The Vikings need to engage in all facets of the offseason. That's basically what I'm saying here is you need to go to free agency for a couple of pieces and you need to get some blue chip quality talent, not players that are going to contribute immediately necessarily, but guys that are going to give you, you know, potential down the line, not just next season, but two, three years down the road in those first two, you know, three or four rounds of the drafts or so. Um, This is very key, both for the immediate future. um, And of course, with Drew's strategy, the long-term future is highly dependent on what you do here this offseason whether that's restructuring guys to clear up some cap space so you could do more next year or whether that's bringing in an infusion of talent um, from the draft and hoping that you get results Mm -hmm. within their rookie contracts basically there's a lot up in the air Uh, the simple answer is you know this series has been a question of where do the vikings stand right now Uh, The vikings have (laughs) kind
1: of shorts i mean the the vikings have kind of i don't want to say screwed themselves but there's just they've put themselves in a tough spot just based on Kind of going for it all, so to speak, with that Super Bowl window, and a lot of it is but the has to do with the Kirk contract. Uh, but now you've you're you're losing out on a lot of talent. Your your players aren't restructuring because they have the right to not restructure uh, to the contracts that they signed to. So now you're sort of relying on your draft skills again, finding the right talent. And Rick Spielman has a you know a decent track record of that. So um, I think the, where he's been hit has been positional value sometimes, i.e. Garrett Bradbury. Uh, but there's, I mean, there, we could talk about this forever, but it all comes down to the Vikings are in a tough spot. That's basically the bottom line here. And so, um, there's not, I mean, the chances that they've turned this around in a quick fashion, probably pretty slim. And we're going to have to live with 2021, not being the best season. And depending on how the decisions that they make this off season, uh, maybe 2022 can be a little bit better.
0: Absolutely. All right. So before we close this thing out, I do want to cover special teams. Um, generally when we do these types of segments where it's like, we're going to focus on offense and defense. We just kind of gloss over special teams and it is what it is. You see what you're going to get uh, towards the end of the season. Last year, uh, we started to kind of have enough and we started talking more about special teams, um, or I guess more than the show would typically talk about special teams. I mean, I've got the Jeff Locke rant on my record. We've done this before, but this is a perfect time because the Viking special teams It wasn't just kicking, right? It wasn't just the obvious special team stuff. Oh, yeah. It was everything. It was across the board. The long snapper sucked. Um, The the holder, not consistent. Uh, The kicker, trash, very inconsistent. The kick returner, trash, inconsistent, not catching the football, not giving you positive yards, not doing anything of value. You can replace every single one of these guys, and I wouldn't blink. Every single one. Kickers got to go. Punters got to go. Kick returners got to go. Punt returners got to go. Long snappers got to go. Holders got to go. All of them. That's six positions that you got to address here. How do you do it? Well, special teams is last on draft. the run for a reason. You don't, you don't you draft. Don't draft. Please don't draft. <laughs> if the Vikings draft a punter or a kicker in the fifth round, I'm going to lose my shit again. It's going to happen again. It's going to. I'm so tired of it. It doesn't make any sense. You could get the same level of production from an undrafted player. And I hope they do it this time because you got nothing for Jeff, Jeff Locke. You got a missed field goal and a key moment from Blair Walsh. Like you have gotten nothing from drafting guys early. So really what this comes down to is how do you fix it? Right. A couple of things you can do. One, the Vikings brought in Greg Joseph, something that drew and I chatted about briefly before the show. He's supposedly going to be a competitive option to dan bailey when you're up against the cap i say screw dan bailey get him out now just be done with it get that what is 3 million off your cap immediately Uh, the other things that you can do here i mean you can sign someone in free agency i highly highly am against that because that's even that's going to cost you even more money right like generally speaking signing someone in free agency costs you more money than drafting a player or signing an undrafted free agent either way uh, you've got real issues here. So, I mean, do I have a definitive answer? No, we really just have a, like a no. don't do list. That's, right?
1: It's just, yeah. I mean, the best practice honestly is, is taking your chances with an undrafted free agent um, after the draft. I mean, that's right. honestly the best, the best chance. And then, uh, you know, kicking, it seems to be such a mental thing that some guys just have it and some guys don't. And it's such a fickle, uh, you know, position to play. So, it is all about chance there. It's a lot of luck to me involved in picking the right kicker. And, um, and I think to a degree as well, I would put, I would say Mike Zimmer maybe needs to give his guys a longer leash Uh, example being Daniel Carlson. Uh, He kind of booted them out right away after one bad game. And believe me, it was a very atrocious game. And um, I was at the, in the moment, in the heat of the moment, I was wanting him out as well, but uh, you see how well he's played since. And a guy with talent, Probably will figure it out, or at least he needs the chance to figure it out. And so the Vikings didn't give him that. So there are things that can be done, but um, there's there's a reason that so many of these successful kickers in the NFL um, aren't drafted, right? I mean, teams can find this talent punter, kicker, um, you know, and same thing with kick returner, punt returner. Like they drafted KJ Osborne primarily for his kick return ability. That certainly didn't pan out. He's not a wide receiver. He didn't play any wide receiver snaps, to my knowledge, during the season. That's a complete waste of a draft pick. So don't do that, right? Don't do that. I mean, and I think you had, you know, punt returner was the same issue. You had fumble issues there. Uh, Same thing with, I mean, there's just try something else. Uh, Don't draft for, don't draft specialists, whether it's a long snapper, whether it's a kicker or a punter or a returner, uh, find a guy, uh, just find guys in undrafted free agency after the draft that are looking to get their chance in the NFL. They're going to give you their best shot, uh, at those roles at that point. So I don't know. There's, there's, I'm with you on the drafting specialists. I'm, I'm, I'm sick of it when, you know, if they go fifth or sixth round, they draft a, a kicker or a punter instead of, you know, taking a flyer on some pass rusher or taking a flyer on some receiver. Um,
0: Especially with character issues. Like you get quality players in the sixth and seventh round guys that just drop because of character issues. Like, just do it. Just pull the trigger. Like, just do it. Come on. I've got a couple of rhetorical questions here just to be an asshole. First of all, you mentioned Daniel Carlson. How did the Vikings acquire Daniel Carlson? They drafted him they did they did drafted him how did that work out well you got rid of him mid-season his rookie year which is
1: another thing like that's another reason not to if you're if your coach coach is gonna give him the shortest leash of all time they don't spend a draft pick on Ex- it, you know
0: exactly right okay now another question for you here who's the best kicker of all time or generally thought to be the best quick kicker of all time
1: well, there's two options here. As a South Dakota guy, I'm going to go with Adam Vinatieri. But I, I would I, see to that argument for Justin Tucker as well.
0: <laughs> I, I figured you'd go Adam Vinatieri. Where was he drafted?
1: I don't even remember. He wasn't. He wasn't? He wasn't. Probably not. <laughs> not
0: one of the best free agent, undrafted free agents of all time. Uh, also,
1: here's another rhetorical question. Uh, how good were the Raiders from about 2003 one. to like now? Um. And where was Sebastian Janikowski drafted? Number 17
0: draft? overall.
1: <laughs> One of go. the
0: worst draft picks in history. And I'm going to continue on here. Who's the best punter in the NFL or generally thought to be arguably the best punter in the NFL currently?
1: Probably some well, guy that but, wasn't drafted.
0: Yeah, it was. Johnny Hecker, <laughs> I'm drafted in 2012. <laughs> yeah. So, like, I don't know how many more points I need. These this, these claims aren't baseless. Like, I'm mad for a reason. Is it irrational anger. Yeah, it's a football team. Like who gives a shit? But like, it's it's still it's ridiculous. Like you you got to stop doing it. Like I don't. I know I'm not being helpful. Like I'm being the guy right now that's raising hell remember, and not uh, providing solutions. But
1: remember Aguayo for the Bucks. The Bucks draft the guy the second round and just flamed out faster than anybody has flamed out in the NFL. It's
0: it's it's ridiculous. The dude, <laughs> it's. It's it's a it's a bad practice. That's what it comes down to. Is you have you have to stop drafting these guys. You got to go elsewhere. You, there's so many options available. Like there's 32 starting kickers I in mean, the NFL. Wh-
1: why? did they give up on Kai Forbath, by the way? Like what? what he couldn't
0: kick it long enough. His longest field goal, like in his career, is 50 K?
1: yards. I mean, chances are you're you're gonna. I mean, you should be going for it if you're trying. If you're deciding between a 54-yard field goal or going or going for it, probably should be going for it there anyway. So. Keep the guy that can make a 44, four, you know, yarder consistently. And I don't know. Cause I did mm.
0: essentially. Okay. And so this bleeds, this also does bleed into kick returner and punt returner. Like you mentioned this with KJ Osborne specifically, like why would you ever draft a guy in the fifth round or sixth round for that matter, or seventh round? That's just on your team no draft. At, at all. Yeah. Uh, That's just there to return punts. Let me ask you another rhetorical question. Who is the best kick returner in Minnesota or punt returner in Vikings history? Marcus Sherrills. Where was he drafted? He was not. He was not drafted. He wasn't drafted. Case closed. Like I'm done. That's it. That's all. That's all I had to get off my chest for today. The Vikings are in a tough spot with uh, the special teams as well. I mean, it's across the board. The Vikings are just in a tough spot. Like,
1: bring back Marcus Sherls honestly. Like, seriously, I, I, think they, I think they tried that and maybe it didn't work out. But like, I mean, honestly, here's what: get a guy on punt return who can catch the football and get a fair catch every single time. I'm okay with that.
0: That's 100% good. Okay with That's that. That's a win. A fair can... catch,
1: hundred percent of the time. I'm okay with that. If you, uh, if and if you he knows four knows when yards. to let the ball go into the end zone. Knows not to call a fair right. catch at the three yard line. That's all that it takes to be a punt returner and a kick returner. Same thing. Catch the ball because. Take your touchback at the 25-yard line every time anyway. Don't run it out of the end zone. You're not going to make it to the 25. And if you do, you'll get, like, to the 28. Nice.
0: Why would you ever spend money or resources on something that is literally, like, next to obsolete? Like, the kick returner position is the equivalent to the Sega Genesis. It's nice to have still, but there's so many things that are more important. There's, like, so many.
1: There's a in a you know, like best case scenario. There's like three plays during the course of the season where having a really really good kick returner right. matters.
0: And as we've seen in the past, you know, it, it can also like you could get the biggest possible play, a la Devin Hester in the Super Bowl when he started the Super Bowl off with a touchdown. How did that Super Bowl end? The Bears lost because it does not matter. They
1: had Rex Grossman at their quarterback position.
0: Right. They should have drafted a quarterback. They should have drafted a quarterback. I mean, okay, we can go on and on with this. Like I can t- continue to be condescending and rude and obnoxious for probably another hour with this stuff, but instead we'll cut you guys loose. Um, any final thoughts you got for me here on just the overall construction of the Vikings roster at this point in time?
1: Um, I don't think so. Uh, It's almost a lost cause for me, which is why I'm being sort of kind of defeatist if you will. But <laughs> uh, It is, it's a lost cause. I, I, don't anticipate success in 2021. I'm just hoping that they're in a good spot for for the seasons after that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's a fair claim. And really this is the best year to do it. I mentioned the salary cap before. I'll say it one more time for you guys. When the salary cap goes down, it's a problem, not just for the teams that are in a good position. It's a problem for literally everyone, like 100% Mm -hmm. of teams. It's not just the saints who are already screwing themselves over. It's literally Everyone has By the, a yeah. problem this year. I
1: mean, it, there's, what, a week left or whatever? I don't know when the league, the league year officially starts, but that's the the deadline for the Vikings to, I guess, trade Kirk, right? Because his $45 million cap hit for 2022, 45 mil, uh, takes into effect here, I think, in a week or a couple weeks or something very coming up here. So that's, uh, that's kind of scary because uh, I don't anticipate that Cap number aging very well, especially after the salary cap dipped a little bit here. I can't imagine it's just going to go spiking back up to the normal pace it was at. So
0: we'll see. If everyone has a problem, that's probably the best time to reset, by the way. When every single team across the league is running, is facing an issue, that is the time to be like, all right, we've got an issue. Let's solve it now because everyone's going to have to do something. And if you make the dramatic decision right now, like start cutting bait with everyone. Kyle Rudolph gone. Harrison Smith gone. Kirk Cousins, traded. Anthony Barr, restructured, or whatever. Find a way to get rid of get rid of that guaranteed money. If you blow the whole thing up now, when the salary cap comes back, and probably maybe next year, but probably the two years from now, after the coronavirus pandemic, you're going to be in the best spot. It's it's probably time to start thinking about the future, is really what this comes down to. Tough spot. Think about the future. Do yeah. us do us proud. Because right now. The answer to the question, where do the Vikings stand? Offensively, pretty good on the up and up. Defensively, not good enough special teams. Complete disaster as a whole. Tough spot. Tough spot. That's where the Vikings stand right now. That's where we're at. So- I love
1: how this discussion, our our little offense show and defensive show just turned into like Vikings are doomed. Uh, it's not even <laughs> worth really listening to us. We're just going to tell you everything that's everything that's wrong with this team right now. And uh, not even to look forward to the next season. <laughs>
0: Well, there are things to look forward to because when you're bad, the offseason is a lot of fun. So there is that. That's true. There is that. So leave us your thoughts in the comments section, whether that's on Daily Norseman or you're watching us on YouTube. We love reading those. I know that everyone's got a lot of thoughts on, you know, where the Vikings stand and specifically where the defensive special teams are at. Uh, So be sure to let us know. Uh, If you want to continue listening to the podcast, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, wherever else you listen to your podcast, and then make sure to check out Climbing the Pocket Network. I know that we've added a couple of shows in recent weeks here. Um, There's some more video content as well. There's more people joining our team. So we're going to have more content just in general. So uh, make sure to check out the network and see what everyone else is doing as well as um, the Unbelievable Podcast. So thank you as always for listening, and we will catch you guys next week.